Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. How to build resilience. Welcome friends. Today we're going to talk about a topic dear to my heart, and that is resilience. Resilience is the ability to kind of come back to life, bounce back, if you will, after a hardship or a difficult time, or maybe a long period of difficulty of being able to regain our footing, kind of get our feet back underneath us. And all of us have times in our life where we are really dealt some difficult things to deal with, every one of us in different ways. And how we integrate and how we deal with those things is different for every person based on their giftedness, overexcitabilities, autobiography, sensitivities, so many factors. But resilience is something that for me is really essential in helping all of us move forward, helping us evolve in a way that serves us. So today we're going to talk about how to build resilience, how to allow ourselves to keep developing this state, this quality, this way that really helps offset long-term like mental health kind of challenges. Some of the research many years ago talked about the fact that people who recovered quicker from major traumas or PTSD creating types of events, if they had a lot of resilience or were able to build resilience, then the symptoms of those kinds of things would be lessened or not even affect them. So I really believe that resilience is a major part of all of our mental health, of all of our wellness, and basically having a great life. So let's talk about some ways to build it, to to generate more resilience. Well, the first thing I want to talk about is developing interdependence. I hear all the time about being independent, but what I'm thinking is interdependence. So I I look at like human development. We start out dependent as babies, and then we are still dependent in many, many ways. And then we hit our teenage years where we become independent and we know everything there is to know about everything, right? You remember those days. I'm sure you do. Well, if we want to keep growing and evolving, we grow into interdependence, which is the state where we know what we bring to the table. We know what other people bring to the table and we're freely giving and freely receiving based on the interdependence. So when somebody is striving to be independent, technically they're striving to be adolescent. Interdependence is where healthy, mature, wise adults live. We live in that place of mutual respect, mutual come and go with whatever our skills and our energy is. So the first way we build resilience is to really work with ourselves and create a life of interdependence. So if you're somebody that has difficulty receiving, like receiving help or receiving even a compliment, then you work on receiving because not being able to receive from another person assistance or help or a compliment even is a trauma response. 
So it means that your body's still in that emergency, like all tightened up phase, instead of learning how to actually let in something that's authentic help. That's one way to do it, right? And to keep making sure that we're letting our interdependence grow and grow and grow and grow. So when we revert back to, I'm going to be independent all by myself, I'm I, 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 really, we're not developing our resilience. Our resilience comes when we are connected to others and we're in that give and take flow relationship where we, we can freely give and freely receive. It's not one or the other. That's the first piece I'm thinking about. Then the next piece I'm pe- thinking about is self-care. And I know people throw that around all the time, but what I'm talking about is like a radical self-care, right? Like really, really, really deeply caring about our own being, our physical body, our mental health, our emotional health, our spiritual health, health, our social connections, that we are such good stewards of our resources, our time, our talent, our treasure, that we are radically caring for it. Now, that doesn't mean being selfish, and it doesn't mean going and get a, getting a pedicure or a manicure, though that could be included as pieces of it, right? It's not that at all. It's radical self-care, meaning I care deeply. You know, I had a friend of mine call me not long ago having a difficult time, and I said, I have the sense that you don't really, like, love yourself, like you, that self-love, like, really you know, go look at yourself in the mirror and say, I love you. Thank you for being here for me. I love you. Eye contact. Can you do it without crying or shutting down, right? Really deeply caring for yourself. So self-care is not just the activity out here like we hear in popular language. No, it's deeper than that. It is about actually deeply caring for your being, yourself, your physical bio body suit, your spiritual wellness, your essence, your emotions, your mind, all of it, caring deeply, being a good steward. And some, for some of us, that takes practice. And for some of us, it takes kind of consistently working on it, right? To make sure that we don't drop the ball. Because I, I work with some people who say, well, once you become a parent, you get rid of all your self-care. Well, I can see that we make sacrifices, but getting rid of your own self-care ends up backfiring on you, doesn't it? Or if you abandon your own self-care, I know I used to do this when I was in college and I call everybody at the beginning of finals week and say, well, I'll see you in a week because I'll just be diving in my books. So my radical self-care wasn't really on point for that week. I I didn't eat like the way I should have, right? I didn't care because I was studying. And that was a form of care of my mind and my grades, but it wasn't that radical, deep self-love. So do you really, really love you? Not from your head, from your heart right here. And that care means that you take care of you like you would an infant like taking good care. It's not just on the outside. It's that energy, that feeling is generated from your heart, from your soul. That builds resilience. It builds our ability to take 
situation that's not so great and we can survive through it. We can live through it in a way that it may not be easy, but won't take us down. Another way to build resilience is to honor your essence, to honor who you are intellectually, who you are emotionally, who you are as a being sucking air here on planet earth. And so honoring your essence means we take our lessons that we have, like when we make mistakes and we have a lesson, it means learning from experiences that we have. It means learning how to appreciate and um, really have honor and reverence for who we are and what we're about. Intelligence-wise, emotionally, in every way, physically, spiritually, can you do that? Really honor that. Now, that doesn't mean you never make any mistakes. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean no one that anyone expects you to be. It means that you honor who you are as a being sucking air here on planet Earth. And then do you honor other beings sucking air here on planet Earth? Now, that's all the beings, right? That's the little bugs, that's the dogs and the cats and the squirrels and the dolphins and the people that maybe aren't making such great choices too, right? We can honor their presence and still disagree with them. We can honor another person's ability and not necessarily be in agreement, right? We can have respect for someone and disagree with them. We can radically take care of ourselves and not agree with something that somebody is saying or doing. They can can be in the same world. So when we're aligned in our sovereignty, then our resilience is assured. Another thing I'm thinking about is, um, which is this one's a fun one for me, is making everyday meaningful and Um, valuable, but creating meaning in every single day. Like so many times people create meaning on their birthdays, especially the birthdays ending in zeros, right? Or holidays or things like that, big accomplishment days. And I think there's meaning in every day. I think there's meaning in every situation of every day. Every connection that we have, whether it's deep and long lasting or short and quick, those connections create meaning for us and the other person. Those connections create hope for us and the other person. So creating meaning in every day with intention and focus builds our resilience, aligns us with our purpose, with our sovereignty, with who we are like really apart from the popular trance of human culture, apart from all the stuff that's going on, we begin to see meaning and value in every day. So when we set out in the morning to create meaning in every day, and you wake up and you say, what's mine to do today? Where is the meaning? What meaning can I create? It allows hope gratitude, joy to be your experience. It allows all of your connections, your connection within to you, your connection to the greater universe, your connection to others to be beautiful, kind, 
authentic, real, not always easy, but real and authentic. And when we are real and authentic and honest and we live in integrity, our character helps us build resilience. So when something happens in life that's tricky or really difficult or really hard, we have a foundation, a very deep foundation that helps carry us through. The ground doesn't shake. Another thing that helps us build resistance, see, there's all kinds of things. Resilience isn't an accident, folks, is to give ourselves permission to enjoy life. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We have to give ourselves permission to enjoy life. Like, even saying that to me makes me kind of laugh because I believe that joy is our natural state. So we are here to enjoy life. And we're here to enjoy life to its fullest in all its depth and richness, which doesn't mean everything's good all the time. It means that there's richness in the depth of all that happens. So I get, I've gotten away years ago from good or bad emotion or good or bad things. I just look at it as this great tapestry of, of experience, right? And so when I give myself permission to enjoy it and enjoy life, I allow myself to play. I allow myself to like, look, I even hear I play all the time. I even have a slinky right here on my desk. I know because if I'm enjoying life, then I'm more resilient. So I have toys and I love slinkies because the spiral reminds me of our growth curve. It is pretty. It reminds me that if I'm not on the growth spiral growing up, I'm on the death spiral going down. It helps me keep resilient. It also is fun to play with, right? Yeah. So we all have our toys. I have lots of toys because life is meant to be enjoyed, right? So the other part of this, giving ourselves permission to enjoy every day is curiosity and creativity. I think curiosity is probably one of the most important things to develop in our daily life is to just be curious, like a five-year-old at Disney World or like the three-year-old that's going, why this, why that, why this, but deeper questions, like how can I serve? What cool thing can I do next? How can I interact with the next person in a way that is meaningful? How can I offer gratitude even in the face of adversity, right? How can I do these things? How can I offer psychological safety to somebody who might be wanting to share something with me that's really hard for them to say? How can I offer safety to myself by not bludgeoning myself in my own thinking and and saying negative things to myself? How can I do that? Curiosity opens doors, helps us see a wider range of things so we know what to do or not do. It makes life more fun. It makes things enjoyable. Now, there was a time in my life where I did not do very much curiosity. I was very serious. I was very much on point. And I stayed like in this little rigid way of being. I didn't take a whole lot of good care of myself. Not really. I mean, I did sort of, but not radically like I'm talking about. I certainly wasn't living with hope. And I was so independent that I didn't even know interdependence was a thing. So at that point in my life, 
I was in my early 20s and I was stuck in the teenage independent thing because that's what I knew. And that's what I was taught over the years of maturing and growing and doing a lot of work on myself. I realized that the deeper I go and the more I excavate like an, like an archaeologist, all the junk in there that doesn't need to be there and all the treasure in there that I didn't know was there, that I let curiosity and play and exploration and excitement come through to me in a way that is magical and amazing. And sometimes the stuff we discover is smelly, ew, right? Or, it's, or it hurts to touch it. And sometimes it's more beautiful than we could ever imagine. But that's the depth and richness of life. So when we approach things without the judgment of good, bad, right, wrong, it's just smelly or it's beautiful or it's gold or it's lead. It's all, it's all part of the beautiful tapestry. It's all part of the beautiful experience. And when we see it that way, when we come out of the dualism of good, bad, right, wrong, we begin to build more resilience in ourselves because that gives us permission to be creative, to move forward in really fun, exciting ways, to do things that keep our flow in a way that we can enjoy life and we can feel hope and we can be that beneficial presence. And most importantly, we're resilient. Things happen and we, we bounce back and people go, how can you still be happy or how can you be so um, giving when other people would be bitter if they've lived through what you have, ha have lived through. To which I say, yes, some people might be bitter if they've lived through what I've lived through or what you've lived through. And what I know is when I cultivate my own inner resilience by really deeply caring for myself and enjoying life on purpose with intention, then that bitterness has no place to live. And I realize that everything serves me for the better. You know, that that's the spiritual law. Everything works together for the good. It didn't say everything is good. Everything works together for the good. So there's always something good that can come out of it. I've had some really traumatic things happen. And I've said, all right, how, how can I use these things to serve other people or or bring some goodness to the world. And sure enough, within days, no more than a week, opening my mind with curiosity, I saw all kinds of opportunities come through to use this horrendous pain I had just suffered to the benefit and healing and help of others, which then gave me permission and them permission to enjoy life, have a little bit more hope, and have some gratitude. So everything worked together for the good, even when it's not all good, so to speak. That's why I don't look at things as good, bad, right, wrong, because it doesn't make sense. So when I say things work together for the good, that G is capitalized. And when you capitalize it, it means it's the principle of the good, which is the high spiritual principle of something that serves you. It's not the lower um, idea of good or bad. Hope that makes sense. Anyway. So these are some ways to build resilience. So let me review a little bit using some different words to help you kind of see that there's lots of nuance, lots of meaning, lots of depth, lots of facets to these ideas. They're very important if we're going to continue as sensitive, amazing people to navigate through this often insensitive world 
that often doesn't understand and that is kind of just knee-jerk reacting everywhere. It's up to us individually, each one of us individually, to build our inner resources so that we can be a beneficial presence so we can stand in our sovereignty as authentic, aligned beings full of integrity. We are here to do that. So it's time that we did it. So here, think about it these ways. You become more competent by building your confidence. So we start by building confidence in ourselves, trusting ourselves a little bit more. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. If I say I'm not going to do it, I don't do it. That's integrity, right? And we build confidence by living the life we say we want to live and, and being honest with ourselves and having integrity. And through that, we become more competent. So first we're confident, then we're competent. Some people work on competence and then that gives them confidence. So you can do it either way, right? For me, it works where I work on my confidence in a, in a skill or a situation, and then I feel competent. So there's no wrong order. Remember, no good, bad, right, wrong. But pay attention to how confidence and competence go together. They go together and they serve you when you allow them to. Using those words to beat yourself up is abusive. So I suggest you stop. Yeah. Then the next thing I want you to think about is connection is the correction. We live in a culture and a society that wants us to be disconnected, disconnected from our own inner reality, not trusting our intuition, not trusting our own thoughts, full of self-doubt, grief, guilt, worry. That is disconnection. We are living in a society that wants us disconnected from others and disconnected from the higher order of the universe. And connection to your inner world, to others, and to the higher order of the universe is required for human health. We're pack animals. Our brains, our neurology are meant to be in resonance with others of the same species. We're designed that way. So it's goofy to say, well, I'm going to be all by myself. I don't need anyone else. Again, that's somebody stuck in independence. And most likely it's a trauma response coming from something somewhere because we're meant to be connected, like authentically connected, eye contact connected. You know, I went out earlier today and the person was ringing up my purchase and I, and she, she was really sweet and had a nice smile and I thanked her, but I had got eye contact when I thanked her. And the moment I got her eye contact and slowed down, I said, thank you so much. She smiled and beamed and she goes, and then as after I was all done with my purchase, she said, thank you for being so nice. Because see, I'll bet you she spends most of her day not feeling seen, you know, more like a machine, but she's a person. So that connection is the correction to what's going on in our world. Like really connect got to connect with yourself too, right? Then I also want you to hear this. Gratitude helps us build our character through contribution. So gratitude helps you build character through contribution. Because when we're grateful, we're giving. When we're grateful, we are more free to give and 
care for others, right? There's three kinds of gratitude, gratitude for the things that, that we desire in the world, gratitude for my slinky, <laughs> right? I have gratitude for my slinky. We can have gratitude in the face of um, adversity or something gooky that we don't like. Like I want to go to the beach and it's raining and I can be grateful for the rain by saying it's a great day for ducks. <laughs> but really, um, sometimes we have to be grateful in the face of adversity or things that are, don't feel good. Then there's gratitude for gratitude's sake, just to be grateful. And the way I practice that is I say, thank you. Every time I go through a door, doorway, whether the door is open or closed, I say, thank you in my mind. Every time I get it in on my car, thank you. Thank you. Not for anything. Just thank you. Because that sets my being up to be more giving and contribute, contribute my ideas, my energy, my emotions. Sometimes our contribution is a smile, is holding the door for somebody, is telling somebody to have a good day. Sometimes our contribution is texting a loved one just to remind them we're there or actually calling somebody or sending a card, right? It's when we're grateful, we contribute more into the lives of ourselves and others. That, my friends, is what builds character, real character. Now, character does not, does not want to be um, confused with charisma, where people can be all showy and everything, but underneath it, it's not so integrity, right? Character has integrity, and it stands up to time and testing. So gratitude builds your character. It allows you to give and contribute in lots of meaningful ways. And the last thing I want to say is we want to use our support, our multiple peer groups, the people in our lives to help us navigate this world. The world we live in is often insensitive, especially to those of us who are highly sensitive, intensely sensitive, gifted, um, and all of those things. Being an intensely sensitive, twice exceptional gifted woman, that means I have overexcitabilities as a gifted person plus the spiritual giftedness of clairvoyance, clairaudience, claircognizance, and empathy, right? Empathic listening. These two things combined equals intense sensitivities, which is not the same as being highly sensitive. It's much more intense than that often. So we we want to use our support. So wherever you fall, whether you say, well, I'm not very sensitive at all, Diane, or um, I have more sensitivities than you, or I have this, or I have that, the answer is cool. That's great. We still have to use our support in our network. You know, in the gift of world, we talk about multiple peer groups. And, and I've been talking about that since way before I heard it at a gifted conference, because I really believe that no, no one person can be our everything, right? I think that we all are so multifaceted that it takes multiple peer groups in order to really feed our soul and our emotion and help us be resilient in the world. So I have peer groups for my spiritual world, my professional world, my social world, my creative world. I have my vacation friends um, where I can just be and relax. And I have all, yeah, all different peer groups. So when I need something, then I know what group to access in order to get my need met. So I'm not going to an empty well for water. So if I want to talk to somebody about old grief that's coming up, 
then I talk to somebody who understands that. I don't call one of my sailing friends because they want to hear me. They want to listen. They care about me, but they're not in a place in my world to handle that, nor should they. So you want to kind of match what you're going to take to what peer group, just like I don't take to my quilting friends a sailing challenge. They will want to listen because they like me, but they can't really participate. So we both go away frustrated. So it matters that we use our support system and we use the people around us in a way that's intentional and respectful. And that's how we navigate and deal with an often insensitive world because life throws a lot of things at us and we're wanting to build more resilience and we're very sensitive and we're vulnerable to living in a world that isn't, isn't so sensitive. So we need to build ourselves up. So that's why we're doing this podcast today, help give you ideas to help you build your resist resilience, to help you learn how to use your character and your confidence and some of the natural inherent ability that you have and qualities that you are to stand in your sovereignty in a way that's meaningful and that matters. So I hope these ideas have spurred some interest, have got you asking questions, have maybe supporting you and making some changes to build more and more resilience. Because I believe that in this world right now, there is a growing requirement for all of us to be actively and intentionally building our resilience muscles so that as the world's doing whatever the world is doing, we can be that sovereign, calm, energy in the middle of the storm, kind of like the eye of the storm. We can be the calm and everything can flip on around us. But in order to do that, we have to take action toward a goal of being aligned, being in that place of following our life's passion with intention and focus and goodness. So friends, I hope that these ideas have served you. And I always welcome comments and I always welcome requests if there's a topic you would like me to talk about on this podcast. So leave me a comment, write me an email, do whatever to let me know if there's something you would like for me to share with you. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please like it and maybe share it with some friends and let some people hear some things that are hopeful and maybe supportive. So. Till the next episode of Someone Gets Me. Know that you're beautiful, you are lovable, and you are fully capable. Be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.